0: Christmas is almost here. Boy, isn't that good. We are, we are taking a break from our, our series. In a way, they're going to still have some things we're, we're doing from it, but we're going complete Christmas today. So, so last week we were kind of mixed between Christmas and, uh, and what we've been doing, but this time there's no excuses. It's all Christmas. So we're going to go back to a story. And I was surprised. I looked this up and the, the, the latest I can see that we went over this particular story was, um, I make sure I do the, the, the years right, was about, um seven years ago. And for a Christmas story, you would think, and, you know, you, there's only so many Christmas stories. I mean, how many are there? We got the wise men, we got the shepherds, we got Mary, we got Joseph. I mean, how many more things are there to, to do in the Christmas story? So we're gonna take a look at one of them here. But here's the question, for those, how many saw the question up on Facebook? I appreciate both of you very much. I really do have you ever seen God select someone for a ministry or that God has given them a revelation something that you wanted something that you desired something that you felt like you were in line for something you knew was available sought God after it and then it went to someone else you ever seen that happen why does it go to someone else why didn't it go to you is it because maybe you weren't faithful enough is it because, uh, an attitude, there was an attitude problem? Uh, what, what was, what was it that caused God to overlook you and go to someone else? So we're going to take a look at that question here in one of the episodes that occurred around the birth of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2 verse 22, now in the days of her purification, speaking to Mary, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, being Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to the offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, you all know Jewish... Uh, uh, customs long enough. How long is it? And it's even in the passage here. But how long is it from the day that the baby is born to the day he's supposed to be circumcised? Eighth, on the eighth day is when they're circumcised. So it is eight days, according to the law of Moses, from the time that he was born, where? In Bethlehem, that they brought him to Jerusalem. Now think about this. If you just gave birth to a baby boy, you're there in Bethlehem. We all know the story. There was no room in the in the, the the places to stay. And so he was born in the manger. We've spent time looking at what particular manger that was. Because it's not just any manger. It's a particular manger. It is one for whom the shepherds did not need directions to. But we're not going to get into that here today. The um, eight days. If you were just giving birth to a baby in Bethlehem and in eight days you're going to go up to Jerusalem to present him to the temple. Would you go all the way home? Remember where home is? Nazareth. Would you go all the way home to Nazareth if you were in Bethlehem and knew in eight days you're going to be heading over to Jerusalem? You wouldn't do it, would you? No, you all stay there. We'll just stay here in Bethlehem a little bit longer. Maybe we plan to. And then we'll just go from here to Jerusalem and then go from Jerusalem back on home. And I'll give you a little uh, rundown on this. At the end of the story, they go back to Nazareth. In case you're wondering. All right. So, eight days. it is. Now, keep that in mind because that is kind of important here for the our overall question. What we're looking at. Because we want to first off find out this is we're we're looking today at Simeon. Simeon was the guy who was on call. He was on in service at the temple when they brought Jesus in. We all know Simeon had a word for for the baby, and the uh, and mom, and uh, pronounced all kinds of things that, that was there. And he was the one who was he didn't come in special. It was his time to be there. But who was this guy, Simeon? So I did some looking up on him. And the Word of God tells us a few things about it. First off, it says that he was just, he was devout, and that he was waiting. Now, that doesn't tell us anything about who he is. It just tells us what he was. He was devout, waiting, and he was just. There is a, um, he is possibly the son of the famous Haleo, and the father of Gamaliel. Remember him? Uh, Paul referred to him. He became president of the Sanhedrin. Gamaliel became president of the Sanhedrin in 13 AD. So he may be the father of Gamaliel. Now the the Mishnah, which records the works of the uh of the things going on there at the at the temple, it passes right over Simeon like he didn't exist. But he had served there for a very long time. Now it may be that they passed over him like he didn't exist because of his belief in Jesus because he had a strong belief in Jesus and it may be that that came out and they decided just to kind of blot him out because of, uh, of what he had done with Jesus and you know when they were writing all these things they may have gone on back in there and said you know what uh, we don't like him because he liked Jesus and he prophesied over him and this isn't good so let's just wipe him out so they may have just wiped him out for that particular reason but that's about all we know of the of the guy But let's look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm sorry, verse 25. We skipped over that one. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's always a good sign that the Holy Spirit is upon you, especially when you serve in the temple. That's a good thing. And and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now it is told, there is a legend that goes on about Simeon. That he was perplexed by the scripture of prophecy in Isaiah 7.14 that we looked at last week. With the wise men about the star. Or I'm sorry, about the virgin birth. That he was he was just puzzled about this. I'll read it for you again. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That he was just puzzled over this because the word of God in prophecy said this would be a sign. And so he saw that and he just began to be perplexed. He just was focused on this verse. Now, when you become focused on a particular thing in scripture, it's generally because you're feeling like there's there's more to it. And you and you're seeking after God to get it. How many have ever sought after God for revelation on something? You've been you've seen it in Scripture. Now, a lot of times when we're doing our our daily reading, and if you're not involved in daily reading, get involved in daily reading. One chapter a day, easily you can do it. Five days a week. That means if you miss a day during the week, you have two days on the weekend to catch up. And don't just try and and blitz through it. Read it and get something from it. Let God speak to you. One chapter a day, you can do it. And by the end of the year, you'll have read through the New Testament completely. So it's just a a nice little goal there without being too too taxing on you. And um you can even put how many how many have the Bible on your phone? How many do not have their Bible on the phone? Oh come on, get your get your get yourself a good phone and put the Bible on it. I carry it with you all the time. If you're looking for a good app, I can tell you one that's free. That is for me the best Bible app out there. I mentioned it to you before. It's still the best Bible app I can find. If you have one that's better, fine, you can think that. <laughs> Now this is, this is really good. If you spend some money on it, you can really make it good. But you can get one for free. It's called Olive Tree. I just like the way that it moves around. You can put your bookmarks in there. I put my bookmark in there for when we're reading and I can come right back up to it. But, uh, that way you can carry it around with you. Now if you want to get more involved with it, I had the Greek text on there. I have a couple, I have about 10 different translations on it there. And, you know, all of that won't cost you a whole lot, but it'll cost you something. But you can get it for free. You uh, know, like three or four different translations. You pick which one you want. But get it on there and then just, you know, when you have some time, just pull out that phone and start reading the Bible. It's good to do. Just sit there and read the Bible and, and have a good time with it. But anyway, when you're reading the Bible, sometimes your spirit is going to be quick into something that you read. And you're going to think, hmm, I think there's something more to this. And you may pursue God on this. God, what is it about this that's catching my attention? There is something here. Something that you... You want me alerted to. Now, you may have read that verse of Scripture many times before, but now you're going through, and you see you've grown. You're more mature. Your ears are able to hear the Spirit of God better. And so when you come to that, the Spirit of God is saying, you weren't ready to hear this before, but now you're ready. And He's calling your attention to something. Oh, see, that's good. Because the Holy Spirit's getting ready to, to, to share something with you. But it doesn't just come just because you want it. How many know this? How many have ever wanted revelation on something, but it, it didn't come? Yeah. There's some things that you gotta do in order to get revelation to come. And make sure that you, that you do this. Write this down however you want to write it down. It's in your outline there. You can write it down. I have given it to you before, but I'm gonna give it to you here again. First off, and I changed this around just a little bit, but first off, the first step of the process, if you want revelation on something, the first step of the process, I relabeled this here. I called it wonder. Wonder. That when you see something in scripture, you if you wonder about something, you just oh, what about that? Like we are wondering about what might happen at Christmas. When we were little, we wondered what we would get for Christmas. As we get older, we are wondering what is so and so going to say when they open their present. Now we 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 have that we we are my wife and I we are both in wonder about a particular thing because we. Um, We took on a little bit of a project that only uh, her and I know about, and uh, it's for the grandkids. And so uh, don't tell them. (laughs) But we have one of those little things, and we just kind of wonder, oh, what are they going to say when they when they see this particular thing, and what are they going to do? So you can just kind of sit there and wonder. When we're young, we're wondering about what we get. When we get older, we're wondering about how other people respond and what they they do. We just kind of wonder. When you wonder about something, you think on it. You meditate on it. You go over it and over it and over it. And so, when that verse of scripture pops out to you, you start to wonder about that scripture. You begin to think on that scripture. You begin to meditate on that scripture. You begin to imagine things about that scripture. You go over that scripture and over that scripture and over that scripture. You'll read it and then you'll think it. And then you go and you read it again and then you'll think about it some more. And then you read it again and then you think about it some more. And if that's not your process, it should be. Because once you have it in your head, don't just don't just say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep thinking about it. No, go back to the source. Keep going back to the source. I may have something memorized, but I still go back to the source. I want to look at it again. I want to see it. I want to read it. And then I'll go away and I'll, I'll ponder it and I'll wonder about these things. First thing is Wonder. The realization that there is more than what I understand. I know there is more about this. I just don't know what it is yet. Here's number two. Pursue. Pursue it. Once you wonder about it, your imagination is going Oh, What could this be? I begin to pursue what the word of God is saying on this. Now you begin to pursue this first thing. One of the first things you're going to do is ask a question. You're going to ask a question. That question will set the direction for your pursuit. You ask ask a question. Now, way back a couple years ago we did a whole series on questions how you can make questions that God wants to answer how many remember that anybody remember that one ask questions God wants to answer because you know as parents there are some questions your kids ask and you do not want to answer them like are we there yet how many of y'all want to answer that question or oh, the real fun one why how many times are you, why, 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 why? After a while, you don't want to hear that question anymore. Now, God wants to hear questions, though, that are asked in faith. And if you don't think that that's true, remember what Jesus did when the woman from Tyre pursued him and asked him a question? Do you remember his response? Nothing. No response at all. Did not respond to her until she had an act of faith that got his attention. And then he answered her question. Yeah, just because you ask a question doesn't mean God's going to answer it. And just just take that to heart too. Just because the world asks you a question about how you stand or how you feel about something does not mean you need to reveal it. Does Jesus always answer questions asked of him? No, does he not? Remember the one time when he said, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you answer me, I'll answer you. And they would not answer him. And so what did Jesus say? Well, I'm not going to answer you then. Yeah, Don't feel it just because somebody asks you a question that you have to answer it. And don't feel that you have to lie and say something wrong, say something different than what they, what they wanted because you don't want to tell them. Just tell them. I don't want to answer you. <laughs> I mean, if Jesus can do it, <laughs> why can't you do it? How many are going to have uh, unsaved relatives at the dinner table on Christmas? Only one. What's wrong with the rest of you? I guess, I guess they're all saved. I don't know. Could be. But there's probably going to be some unsafe, unsafe people that are coming to your, uh, coming around on, on, uh, Christmas. Probably have some unsafe people come around. And they're going to probably ask you some questions, pick some fights. You know, just kind of antagonize you that I know what your standing is on this and I'm going to come after you if they just kind of throw those little questions out there. And, um, that, don't feel like you have to answer them. Cause not everybody's trying to get the truth. They're just trying to stir something up. So here's the thing, pursue. Pursue that revelation. You gotta ask questions about it. You gotta formulate a question in your spirit. Begin to ponder this thing, and through faith, ask God an intelligent question. I've heard it said, you know, there's, there's no stupid questions. Yes, there are. How many of you have been asked a stupid question just this week? Anybody? So have that time of wonder. You're wondering about this. And then pursue it. Pursue that revelation. Ask God questions. Seek after God in that thing. You want an example? Look at Daniel. How long did he pursue uh, an answer to a question? He didn't just uh, throw that question out there. He studied the Word. He went after it. Here's the Here's the next one, the third one. And actually, I, I, I crossed out what I had in there. I wrote in something else. I put in here, receive. Because you don't figure out spiritual answers, you've received them. See, truth is revealed to your spirit. When you ask God a question, He'll reveal it to your spirit. It'll come to your spirit. You'll get it. But you got to receive it. Remember Jesus saying... For him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Not everybody has ears to hear. If you have eyes to see, you can see. Not everyone has eyes to see. So, receive it. I'm not going to figure out the answer to what I see in the Bible. I'm going to receive it. He's just going to speak it to you. So, wonder, pursue, receive. Here's the, here's the final one. Absorb. Absorb. Now, what I mean by that is when you get something in your spirit, you got to get it from your spirit to your mind. How many have ever heard of mental ascent? We have not used that term enough, have we? A couple of you have. Mental ascent is a, is a term that came up to describe people who understood a principle in their head, but didn't have the revelation of it down in their spirit. They could just kind of uh, uh, cough it out. You can probably understand this when you went through um, uh, high school and some of the topics. How many had a hard time with algebra? Anybody have a hard time with algebra? Yeah, I know a couple of people did. If you can, when you were going through a class like algebra, the, the reason you had a hard time with it is because you couldn't conceptualize this, the thing. All you could do was memorize A, B, C, and all this sort of stuff with the letters. You know, who in the world is trying to add letters anyway? You add numbers. You write letters, you add numbers. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be, isn't it? This mixing up of stuff, this is kind of crazy. And we would ask questions like that because we didn't understand the concept of what algebra was about. But once you understood the concept of what algebra was, then it was a lot easier to do and you could figure it out a lot more. But for for most of us, I know when I went through it the first time, I didn't get the concept. Uh, I did much better. The, uh, the second time teaching our, our kids the, the, the stuff was much easier for me to to grab hold of those things, but for some of us, you know it was writing sentences. you know we, we just broke down the sentence, but we couldn 't really understand the flow of the sentence. Science was a challenge for other people, whatever it was, we couldn 't understand the whole broad concept we 're just trying to memorize the the, the the little things that were going on here, and that 's what happens. When you have mental assent, I don't really understand what God is saying. I just know what he said. And so I just quote what he said, but I don't understand it. But we just say it. That's mental assent. But don't throw out the idea of teaching your mind, because if you do not teach your mind the things that your spirit receives, it won't help you. Romans talks about the renewing of your mind. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to take what's in your spirit and teach your mind. And when that revelation comes to your spirit, if you don't write it down, commit it to, to your, get it to your mind, get it so you understand it in your head, you will lose it. It will go away. So if you're going to pursue revelation, you've got to have that time of wonder. You've got to have that time that you pursue it. you got to have the ability to receive it once it comes and then absorb it. You've got to take that and teach it to your mind. You've got to learn it. Now, during the Christmas story, of course, we know there's other people who receive revelation. We talked about some of those even uh, just last week. But if there's a quality that I can imitate that would bring more revelation to me, there's one quality that you could imitate that would bring more revelation to you. I would say that it's this. I can't say this because the scripture says, do this and you shall get more revelation. But this is what I understand from looking at the different people in the Word of God who received great revelation. The people that God poured out the most on. The things that God says about His character, God's character. If I put all those into, into my brain or spirit or, or, and, and ponder it, what has always come out for me is that the main quality that God is looking for, for those that He pours revelation on, is humility. Because God resists the proud But what does He give to the humble? And what else is revelation but a gift of grace? If you are prideful, you are put in a block between you and receiving. Plus, you get prideful, you cut off people that can teach you because you know it all. I've got it all. And only a handful of people have the ability to teach me where you just cut it off. Because according to Jesus, we can even learn from little kids. Don't cut anybody off. There's all kinds of people that can that can help you out. I know this to, to be true just because all, all the years that I've been uh, pastoring and in ministry before that, I just know no matter who would come up and ask me a question, no matter what their spiritual walk was, whether they just got born again, they've been born again for a year or born again for many years, when people would come and they would ask me a question there are many times I would ask that question. I never asked it before. I never even thought of the question. But when they asked the question, as soon as they asked the question, in my spirit came the answer. And I had the ability to learn because first off, you, you got to make sure that whoever comes over to you, don't treat them lightly. As in the principles we've looked in the last couple of weeks, don't, um, don't see yourself as high and mighty because if you do, you've cut off revelation. You've cut off the ability of God to be able to speak to you. Don't do that. Even little kids, little kids will come up and they'll ask you a question and say, Oh man, you don't even know what you asked. (laughs) But it suddenly turned the light on for you and it helped you understand some things. So don't, uh, don't ever cut that off. But if you want one quality that you can, that can really help you get more revelation, I would say that's it. So in verse 27 it says, So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples and a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things. Some people put wonder. Some translations put wonder in there. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So this guy got a revelation that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Now, we talked about before with the with the virgins that they were all thinking, maybe I could be the one because they know that Christ is being born soon and that he's going to be born of a virgin. And so it was a desire of all those young ladies, that they would be the ones who would give birth to Messiah. And Mary, of course, was was picked. But just as, as that was the case, you know, he, Simeon, he's not going to give birth to no no Messiah. That's not going to happen. God is not into this, this identity problem that we have with, um, you know, <laughs> boys and girls. God is not into that. God is very clear on the role of the women and the role of the men. He has been from the beginning of time. I know that right now they're having a hard time. I even heard, heard some people, intelligent people, supposedly intelligent people, decided that um, uh, h- how you come out of the womb does not determine whether you're male or female. And we wonder why we're confused. We can't even get that part. Can't even get that part right. Well, God is not confusing it. And he knew that uh, Simeon, he's not going to give birth to the Messiah. That's just not going to happen. It was going to be a girl. And Mary was the one who was picked for that. But he, but it was get told him because he was perplexed over this verse and he pursued God on it. What's this, what's going on with this? When is this going to happen? How is it going to happen? Where, where is this going to go on? I want to be part of this. He might have even been, been saying whatever it was. He was constantly pursuing this and God, while he's in pursuit of that, spoke to his spirit and said, Simeon, you are going to see the Christ before you die. Now, I don't know, if I was Simeon, and I got that in my spirit, and I believed it with all my heart, I knew it, I think I might take up bungee cord. Jumping. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, you're not going to die, right? <laughs> all right, I don't know if we quite, quite go that far, but, <laughs> but that's what he was told. I mean, I wonder if he was over at the, you know, uh, first bank of Jerusalem, And they come in to rob the place. And he goes over and takes their weapons away. Well, they can't kill me. (laughs) I don't know if he got more bold or or any of that. But this is what came to his spirit. You're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. Hmm. All right, this is exciting. Now, how many other people do you think were believing to see the Messiah? Probably a lot. I mean, if there was a bunch of them believing to be the Messiah's mom, there's probably other people who say, I just want to see the Messiah. Before I I want to see the Messiah. And there's probably all kinds of people around asking for that, wanting to see that. But we only have one person that's written in Scripture that that promise came to. I cannot tell you that he is the only one. But we only have one person in Scripture that that revelation was given. And he hung on to it. He probably even shared it with some other people. That's a little over again. What he did? So he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, "Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, I can die now, <laughs> according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Now look at this: a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles." He had the revelation that the word of God was going to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, how much now he's going to say some more things about this. I, I we have to probably wait till we get to heaven. But how much of this revelation knowledge came to him in a time when he was wondering about it? How much came at that moment? And I don't know. It doesn't seem like revelation knowledge comes to you until you need it. I would say probably most of this came to him at that moment that in his spirit he was supposed to speak these things and he did So we have the inclusion of the Gentiles here. In Isaiah 52 and verse 10 and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. All the ends of the earth. He probably was a uh, had that verse of Scripture memorized. Now the acceptance of the Gentiles, it was taught by the Old Testament pe- uh, prophets, but was not seen or was it accepted by the religious leaders of the day. And you all know that from the way they interacted with Jesus. Verse 34, Then Simeon blessed them. How many is them? That be the them that are there. Mary, Joseph, baby, he blessed them and said to Mary his mother. So who is now who is he now speaking to? Mary? Speaking to Mary. Which means he is not speaking to Joseph. Joseph. Because the word of God is very specific. He was speaking to Mary. In other words, he was speaking to them and blessing them. So there was a difference in the way that he addressed them. And then all of a sudden he changes what he was doing and according to the word of God he said to Mary do you think it's important if the word of God specifically says here he addressed them now he's addressing her. He's not addressing them now he's addressing her. Look what he says behold this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Now what in the world does that mean? He is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In Matthew 21, verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you ever, never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and, is, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it, and whoever falls in this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. In the words of Jesus, we're having two groups. Those for whom the cornerstone is a foundation and those for whom stumble on it. I wrote in some other scriptures there. i just put them at the end for you. In Isaiah 8, verse 14, "...he will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel." And a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble, and they shall fall and be broken, be snared, and taken. In Isaiah 28, verse 13, But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, Who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death. And with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through. It will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge. And under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Therefore thus says the Lord God. Behold I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. A tried stone. A precious cornerstone. A sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. So here in Isaiah, he's talking about two different kinds of stones. Ones that will cause people to stumble and one that would be a foundation. In Romans 9, verse 33, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Quotes the Old Testament verse of Scripture in reference to Jesus. 1 Peter 2, verse 6, Therefore it is also contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Peter quotes it. Again, relating to Jesus. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So even Peter, he takes the the quoted verse, but then he also breaks it up for them and shows them this is the group here that's, that is good for it. This is the group that is bad for it. Luke 20, and verse 17. Then he looked at them and said, What? Then is this that is written, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken and whoever it falls, it will grind into powder. Again, another time when Jesus is is looking at us. Now it goes back over here to um, where we were at. And we left off at 34. It is not coming back up here for me. Now we got it. So behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. What does that mean, a sign that will be spoken against? Have you ever read over that scripture and just said, yep, yeah, a sign that I spoke, but never really understood what, what is the sign? What sign does, does he mean that is spoken against? I put it over in your outline there, a uh, verse of scripture underneath the area of the sign, Matthew chapter 12. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. This is the words of Jesus. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What is the sign that is going to be despised? If Jesus says there's only one sign given to this generation, what's the sign? The death in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the sign. And was that going to be spoken against? Yeah, we had the the authorities. They were telling the the, uh, soldiers, uh, just say you fell asleep. Or just say the disciples came and took his body. So they fell asleep, but they saw the disciples go. And these disciples, who had no armor, could not uh, uh, were overmatched the soldiers who were in full uniform and under the threat of death. If they let anybody get through. Yeah, that makes sense. But they, they started rumors. They started things. Now this sign would be spoken evil again. So this, this Simeon is saying here in the beginning, we're gonna have, he's, he's gonna separate people. Jesus is not gonna bring people together, he's gonna separate them. We're gonna have those that are offended and we're gonna have those that are blessed. And isn't that the way it is today? But no, no, understand this. God does not remove the stumbling block of Jesus. He says people are going to stumble over this. He doesn't remove it. Don't you remove it either. Jesus is a stumbling block for many people. Well, you know, there's many ways to get to God. You just can't say that you're exclusive. Yes, we can, because Jesus didn't. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the... How many people could come to Him? No one can come to the Father except... And it comes through the sun. So Jesus is pretty exclusionary. But it's wide open. Whoever wants to believe can. It's not closed that way. So we have a sign for which will be spoken against. And look at this, this next part. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Why is a sword only piercing through Mary? If something happens to Jesus... Wouldn't Joseph be bothered by it too? Now, Mary is the only one who's a true relative. Joseph is the father, but not a relative of Jesus. Mary is the relative. But when Jesus is on the cross, how many of his parents are at the foot of it? Mary. Something happened to Joseph. Joseph disappeared. By the time that Jesus is in ministry, 30 years old, Joseph is nowhere to be found somehow Joseph died and Jesus took over the family business and stayed with it until the sons were able to to keep it going and then at age 30 he moved into his married ministry Joseph is dead and so when Simeon gives this prophecy he gets it by the order of or the, the unction of God but he's speaking to Mary because Joseph won't be here. Joseph would not be here to see the ministry of Jesus. He would not be here to see the death and resurrection of Jesus. He would be gone already. So he speaks this to Mary. Isn't that quite an incredible? I don't know that he knew that. He just knew to speak. Now this is, this is for Mary. So he gave it to Mary. We don't always have to know all the things that are going on with that. Let's go on. He's got uh, got more to say. Now, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of, of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So she's old, and most of that time she was a widow. She did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Coming in that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the, ch- and the grace of God was upon him. So this gal, she has no duties in the temple at this time. She just happened to come on in. Why? Because in her spirit it comes up, just go to the temple. Oh, I go to the temple. She goes to the temple, here's Jesus. It comes up in her spirit. This is what's going on. She knows the same thing. And so she speaks these things out and says that. Why is she there? Why, why didn't anybody else come? They may not have been seeking in the, in the same way. But let's get back to our question here. Why was this one, speaking of Simeon, why was he chosen over all the others? Why was he given this revelation? Why was he given this opportunity? Why of all the people that God could have picked... Did he pick Simeon to give this revelation to? Well, the answer is not too hard to figure out. Because does God know what day Jesus is going to be born? Sure does. He knows exactly when Jesus is going to be born. He knew it way before. No one else did. But he knew it. And then once Mary is pregnant, we know how many days from there, but we, about... How many? Uh, how many had babies, and they were always born on their due date? <laughs> Did they take you by surprise? A little early, a little late, whatever it might be. Sometimes you know they're right on, but most times it seems like they're either early or late. They're not right on that. But but God knows. He doesn't control how events unfold, but He knows how they're going to unfold. Now, I'll give you this example, probably a repeat for for many of you, but understand that God does not control the future in order to know how it happens. Doesn't have to do it. God did not make you make this decision so that this would happen. He just knows what your decision is going to make. Now, the reason that he can do it is simple. We go back to the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, John is not given a dry run of the tribulation. John sees the actual tribulation. This is what's going on. Now think about this book. You're taking a guy from the past into the future to write a book that we now read in the present. How can you do that? Take a guy from the past. Take him into the future, and have him write a book that you now read in the present. If you want to mess that up a little bit more, he watches two people who were before him operate ministry. The two witnesses. They were before him. All supposition I seem to I concur with it. Moses and Elijah seem to be the two witnesses. They come from the past, are brought up into the future. He does not see a dry run. He sees the actual thing because God is in touch with all parts of time at the same time. He right now is, and he even uses this as a phraseology, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, according to the words of Jesus. Not the God of the dead, but the living. He right now is in touch with Abraham alive. Because we operate in time linearly. But he not so. He can be in touch with the past, present, and future. He was, he is, and he forever will be. He is not just one time. So that being said, he can see what happens in the future while he's here in the present and also in the past. He can see it all at one at one time. We cannot. We do not have that ability. We dream about it. We write movies about it. Books and things like that. But we can't do it. But God can. He can touch all points of time at the same time without any problem at all. So he can look ahead and see this. He knows what day Jesus is going to be born. Once he knows that eight days from there, he knows this is when they're going to be bringing him for circumcision. And he may just look on there. Let's see who's on the schedule in the temple on that day. And who comes up? Simeon. Now he may have been saying, you know what? Let's back that off a little bit because uh, that person, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in Messiah. Let's back it off. He, he could have orchestrated the day that Jesus was born to coordinate with the day that Simeon was on schedule. That's how good our God is. And knows that Simeon is going to be on schedule then, and so he gives him the revelation. Not necessarily because Simeon is so much better than anyone else, that he's so much more faithful. I heard a heard somebody teaching the other day. Boy, I tell you, I, I, I love this, this particular thing. But um, how many of y'all know in the Word of God it says that faithfulness is rare? You know the Word of God teaches that? That faithfulness is rare? That not many people are actually found faithful? Yeah. Now, don't raise your hand now. <laughs> but how many of you think you're faithful? Uh-huh. How is it that everyone thinks they're faithful? And God says faithfulness is rare. I heard one of this, this person I was listening to teach, loved the statement that he made. He said faithfulness is rare most people think they are and feel they deserve to be treated as faithful Oh, we'll think about that for a minute if faithfulness is rare and most people think they are and ought to be treated as faithful could you see where there could be a problem Alright, this is something for, for another day. Well, we just, you can just kind of think about that one though a little bit, because I'll tell you what, I may not be as faithful as I think. And there's a lot of things we mistake for faithfulness uh, that are not faithfulness, but we'll, we'll hit that up another time. Because many of you all want to be faithful. Yeah, I mean, we all want to be faithful, don't we? We desire to be faithful. It's a great desire. But if we're not being faithful, and we think we are, can you see there be a problem? So, I don't think it's because he was necessarily more faithful. He may have been. He may not have been the only spirit controlled person that was in the, in the temple. There may have been others as well. But God knew he was going to be on. See, there is something for being there. There is something just for, just for showing up. And just being there. And he was. He was where he was supposed to be. Now hold that thought for a minute. I want you to show you this here in the end of our, our, in the re- end of our uh, reading there. Verse 39. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Where did the wise men visit Jesus. You ever heard that question? We don't know where the, you know, the, all the wise men are at the manger scene and stuff like that. We all know that didn't happen. He was older than that. But you know, where did Jesus go? And some people wanted to say, well, he was made his home around Bethlehem there for a little while. And why would you do that? Why would you have left your home, your occupation, all your stuff, and then stayed there in Bethlehem because you didn't want to walk home? I don't know why people had, had thought that, but what's the word of God say right there? Where'd they return to? Nazareth. 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 So the timeline is this. Jesus is born. Eight days later, they make the trek up from Bethlehem over to Jerusalem. They go through the process of bringing them, uh, dedicating them to God, and then they make the trek on back to Nazareth. So when the wise men come, where is he? He's in Nazareth. When they flee to Egypt, where do they go from? They flee from Nazareth. Now see, the the problem comes in is because Herod is looking for Jesus around where? Bethlehem why is he looking for him around Bethlehem because they said he was going to be born in Bethlehem that's all he knows because he doesn't get revelation he's just working on head knowledge the wise men did not follow the directions given by the teachers and go to Bethlehem because the word of God says that they followed the star so whatever appeared to them in the sky became something a lot more closer to home and they were able to follow it. And we went over what the star was and stuff like that last time. If we you weren't here for it, go back and you can get that. It's up online. It don't cost you nothing. You just go there and listen to it. I'm not going to go over all that again. So they followed that, not the directions. And that would have taken them to where? Nazareth. Now Herod hid all the areas around Bethlehem as well to make sure he got them, which he didn't whether uh, Nazareth was one of those included towns I don't know because it says the districts around how far out he went but that's where he was looking for them. but he was not there because after eight days he went up to Nazareth so I just wanted to get, make sure you saw that you talk to people tomorrow about the birth of Christ I want to make sure that you tell them good things so how how is he selected and how can I be selected how can I be selected for some of those things that I want to be selected for because I've been believing God for this revelation. I've been believing God for this thing to happen in my life. I've been believing God to be able to do these particular things. How can that happen? First off, I put in your outline. You just got to write this, this in there any way you want to. Don't move around from where God puts you. Don't move around from it. If God has given you a calling, He knows where you are. <laughs> you don't have to go moving around. Well, I'll go see if I can find God here. Maybe God wants me to be over here. Follow your spirit on it. Don't follow your head. Follow your spirit. When God puts in your spirit to do that, you know, if you're gonna have, if you have a job, stay at that job. If it's hard, so what? Stay at that job. Until you're down in your spirit, it says move. Go on to another job. And then you can go ahead and do that. But follow your spirit. And even if you, even if you go in the wrong direction, you know, God can still bring you back into the, to do what you, He wants you to do. It's just not as pleasant. as Jonah. He tried to get away from the call of God, didn't he? And God went and got him. And it would have been a much better ride if, uh, <laughs> if He didn't go the wrong direction. Going, in, going there in a, in a fish. Not great. Don't move around from where God puts you. And God puts you someplace, you stay there, and you do what God said to do. Just like Simeon did. What did God tell him to do? Be here in the temple. He stayed there in the temple. He did what God told him to do, and guess where God found him. in the temple doing what God did. Now that we talked about this in, on one of the last Wednesday night services, I think two Wednesday nights ago, don't get weary and discouraged and become slack. Don't get weary and discouraged and become slack. Sometimes we get weary and discouraged because I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I just keep doing this. Why am I still doing this? How long did Moses lead the people of Israel around the wilderness? Forty years. That's a long time. And he just kept on doing it. Did he get weary and discouraged sometimes? No, he did. How about Elijah? Did Elijah get weary and discouraged? He sure did. He's ready to quit. He put in his notice. God said, I'm not accepting it. (laughs) Go back there and get some work done. And he said, I want back. You can get weary and discouraged, but don't quit. Don't stop what you're doing. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Now, if you make a mistake and you go in the wrong direction, thank God He can bring you on back and, and get you back into... Into doing things, But if you go God's way, it's easier. It's easier and it's... I'll tell you what, it's better. So don't get weary and discouraged and become slack. Here's the last one. See every day that you are here for God. Every day you wake up, I want you to say, Father God, I am here for you. I am not here to make myself happy. I'm not here to do my own bidding. I'm not here to... For any other, I'm here for you. What do you have me to do here today? Every day I get wake up, I am here for you. Because if you're here for people, you'll get wore out. Because some of y'all know people don't always appreciate you the way you ought to. The way you think they ought to anyway. (laughs) We can get discouraged on that. But every time, every time we wake up, think about this. God, I am here for you. What do you have me do today? And don't get wary and discouraged. You put everything you got into what He has given you to do. Don't, don't ever downplay what you got to do. The people that are around you to minister to, don't downplay them. You are the minister for them. Your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you come in contact with at the grocery stores, wherever they may be, the people you go through in the bank and say hi to. How many of your bank tellers know you? All right, I should. So look forward to you coming. You're a minister to them. Be a minister to them. Bruce used to talk to me about people came through on the bridge. How he ministered to them. No matter where you are, you can be a minister. Every day you wake up, Father God, I am your minister. And You name the place where you are. Don't lose sight of it. But I'm not seeing the fruit, but I'm not seeing people, but I'm not seeing, so what? So what? You keep doing it. Did God put you there? If God put you there and God gave you something to do, then to God it's important. Don't discount it. Don't, don't put it down. We don't tolerate this in other people. How many of you, does your mom and dad tolerate the fact that you did not feel it important to have dinner At the particular time they had dinner. Anybody try that argument? I don't want to eat now. How'd that go? I don't want to eat that. How well did that work? It didn't work out so well for us. For us then. But don't be telling God. This thing isn't important. If God has you doing something. Don't ever put it down. Because if you speak. Poorly of it. If you look at it in a negative way at all, it will come out in how you how you perform what you do. And don't let it. Father God, I am doing this for you. If you will make sure that you stay put doing what God has said to do, that you don't allow yourself to get weary and discouraged. And if you've gotten weary and discouraged, I think it was two weeks ago on Wednesday, we actually had a passage in Hebrews that talked about it. And we got into that. Uh, one, two, and three, I believe it was in chapter chapter 12. You can go back there and check that out. If you got weary and discouraged, there's a way to get out of being weary and discouraged. But weary and discouraged, you're not going to be able to to, to have success the way God wants you to have success. Don't do that. And every day, wake up. Father God, thank you for making me your minister here in this neighborhood, here in this workplace, here with these people. Wherever you go, I'm your minister. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, you have called each and every one of us. Not only that, you have placed each and every one of us. We are in a place that you have put us. You have led us to. You have guided us to. And you have seen that we are there. You have plans for us. Just as Simeon, every day coming into the temple. Every day waking up. Every day going around town. He's always thinking, God has said, I will see his Christ. And his eyes were always looking. And the moment that baby came walking through the door, he knew it. Because he was looking. Because he did not treat every day as some ho-hum day. Because every day he woke up, he saw himself as your minister. He saw himself as having something substantial to do. And when that baby came in, he spoke some words over that baby that minister to us today they ministered to the parents at the time they took those words and they meditated on them they thought on them they marveled at them Father you're going to have us say some things that people will marvel about people will wonder about we'll get them to think because we are your ministers here on this earth and we're here to make a difference the enemy will always downplay what we do who we do it to the results that we have, constantly in our mind, we will hear a downplay. We will hear how ineffective we are, how unimportant our ministry is or the people that we reach. We are constantly barraged by that. But if you have seen it important to put us in the places where we are and will give us inspiration to speak to them, then to you it's important. And if you see it as important, who are we to say anything contrary? Who am I to stand up to the God of the universe and tell Him, I think you're wrong. I think what I'm doing is unimportant. If God has said it isn't. If God has said what you're doing is important to me. Help us to renew our vision. What you have is doing. That we can pursue you. And then, Father, when your eyes are looking around saying who do we have in this place that your eyes can fall upon us because we are in the right place. Not only with the right attitude but we are in the right place. There's a lot of people who may have a good attitude but they got themselves in the wrong place. And you just can't use someone who's not in the right place. I thank you, Father, that Simeon was in that place. We want to be in the place too. We give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And this Christmas, you all are going to be in some places that no one else is at. You are going to be God's ministers in places that no one else is, is there. No one else is thinking about that. No one else has the words to speak that you have to speak. Listen to what God has to say and speak those words and just know not only this Christmas season but in the ones to come, you can make a huge difference in the people's lives that you come in contact with but also in the ones they come in contact with. Don't lose sight of that. Sister Marguerite, come on and close us out.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to see each and every face. And um, I just praise God for the uh, opportunity to speak to you this morning. Um, I thank God for each morning when I come, each Sunday that I come uh, and uh, participate in the worship and hear the message from Pastor Steve. I feel so blessed because um, it's something that each day uh, the word says his mercies are new every morning and that's the way I feel because I come and I interact with each one of you and we're all going through different phases of our lives and God is able to encourage us uh, through a smile, through a a word, um, he's able to encourage each and every one of us and he knows each and every one of us, he knows us intimately. And so I thank God for the uh, the privilege to come and to see each and every one of you. I'm blessed in a different way by each and every person here. So I thank God for each and every one of you. And when um, uh, our bulletin it says, O come let us adore him, for unto us, unto you is this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And as we celebrate Christmas, the season of uh, just honoring the Savior that has come into the world, we are just so grateful that we have this privilege um, to be able to do that. So I I never want to grow weary of that. It's an opportunity, it's a privilege to be able to each and every day know that our Savior came to this world so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Um, I'll give the praise reports. And as I was receiving the praise reports and just looking them over and the uh, uh, some prayer requests that we have also, that um, many times in um, our lives we can have different things that are, are coming about. And um, we can get caught up in the things that... Uh, are close and dear to us but as I was reading through the praise reports and I was reading through the prayer requests my heart was touched because sometimes we can forget that people are going through different phases and some of those phases are are so heartfelt so as I read the praise reports today I just want you to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and as um, we read the uh, prayer requests that we truly take to heart these things that are um, our church family has brought to to us and to, so that we can join with them and believe in God for the answers. Um, Sister Anna is saying that um, last week she was prayed for her knee and um, she was healed. By Monday she could walk without pain and she says, I am healed by Jesus' stripes. He never fails us. Thank you, Jesus. And that's the, that's the attitude that we want to, to have, that um, we come to God, we pray, and we receive from him, and then we come back and we say thank you. Um, Brother Jolly says, Last Sunday, on the way to work, God shielded him from running over a tree branch, which fell a few seconds across the road on Route 202 bypass to Horsham Road. He says, I was going a little over the uh, 40-mile-per-hour speed limit when the Holy Spirit prompted me to slow down. Thank God I synced with the Holy Spirit's prompting. Amen. And Chris says that um, she's been struggling to make uh, her work goals this week, this year, because she was charged for ch- accounts that were given to other financial advisors who then left the firm, that's unfair. That's, But that's sometimes that's the way it works. Um, so two weeks ago she got a call out of the blue, a new client found her on the internet. Um, he signed up with her and the assets showed up Friday. This was truly God's work. So we thank God and we praise God with her for that. Nikolai has a praise report. A few months ago, the spirit told him go and I will help you find a new job and you will be tremendously blessed. And he says he received the word this morning that his department, his former department at his previous company is being dissolved. Now, God's timing is impeccable. I praise God for the revelation I received months ago. I'm now celebrating one month at my new company and have been blessed at every turn. Praise God for prosperity and his protection. God sees, as Pastor was saying, the, the end. He sees the beginning. And he sees the present. And he's able to work on our behalf as we cooperate with him. And it's not always easy because we don't always see um, that next rung that we're supposed to step out on. But in faith believing, um, if we will do that, God will make just tremendous things happen. So we're so grateful for that. Uh, We have uh, a report. uh, We have some prayer requests. Um, that I'd like to read uh, Sister Candy says um, that she's asking for prayer for Bobby her husband um, he started out with tremors in his hands but now they're getting worse and because they've affected his whole body and yesterday he woke up and he was um, almost not able to speak because of a lot of hoarseness Um in first Peter two twenty four it says, Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. And I, I like when I read that scripture, we take healing in the present, but it says, You were healed. So we can know that back on the cross the work was finished, and so we can draw from that. Um and I want to read the other prayer requests, and then we just, uh, we'll just we uh, just bring these before the Lord. And we know that he hears and answers prayer, so we have that confidence. Uh, Praise is the saying that um, she would like to pray for a friend in college um, who says that his brother was shot and did not make it. So that family is um, really struggling this morning. And so we, we just are going to join our prayers with them and um, pray that their spirits will be uplifted because this is a period of time that they'll have to walk through. And we all know that when different things happen, it's not easy. God can help us to get through it, but it's not easy. Um, and I'll I read this last prayer, prayer request. It's from Brother Jolly. He says, um, "The federal government for the federal government his uh, prayer request is that the federal government will resolve the ongoing impasse immediately. And this is what touched my heart. Beginning last Friday, I go to work without pay as a federal employee due to the ongoing furlough. But God is faithful. You know, and we, so many times we think of, you know, we go to work, we go and we come, but how many of us are having to face that that you go to work and you do the same work that you've done week after week, but you go and you you don't get paid. So um, we are just, we're taking these prayer requests, and we are not discouraged, but we're encouraged because we know that we serve a great God. So um, those of you that are are around Sister Candy, um, regarding her husband um, for uh, healing in his body, We're just going to pray and thank God for the work being done in his body and ongoing work, because by his stripes, we were healed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for our prayer family. We thank you for Brother Bobby, and we pray that he will not be discouraged in this time that his body is showing signs of uh, different things that are not working as they should, but we know that you said in your word, by your stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, ye were healed. The you means us. We were healed. And so we receive that in the name of Jesus. We receive that for Brother Bobby, that in his body, all those symptoms of the tremors and the hoarseness in his voice, we thank you, Father, that you're not only able, but you're willing. And as we believe your word, We receive it now in Jesus' name. And, Father, we also, for the family of the the young man that was shot, and now his family will have to go through this season and try to encourage each other. We just ask, O Lord, that you would encourage that family. Send laborers around them, people that will encourage them, that will bring them strength to go through this time that they will have to go through. And we pray for Brother Jolly, O Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, we know that there are people who believe in you who work in this government. And Lord, we know that you can uh, work through people to do what needs to be done. And we just thank you and we praise you for the end result right now. And Lord, even as uh, there's a period where there's going to work and there's no pay, you are able to you are exceedingly able to do so much, oh, Father. You, We don't have to get our resources from our jobs. We should be able to, but we don't have to get our resources from our jobs. You are able to reign, O oh Lord, through people, to give through the hands of men that we might be able to give again. And we thank you that the work is done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um,